Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. DeVito, pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game! DeVito, in relief, wins it for the Orange! They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. Swing and a miss! It is over! The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. The Bills make me wanna Josh Allen, touchdown Buffalo! A 14-yard quarterback draw! Somebody in Vegas told them they were gonna win by 20! And the celebration begins. This is on the block. Right, you know what? There's validity in that opinion. Here's X-Men! Here on ESPN Radio, 97.7, ESPN Radio, Utica Road. Heard on 96.5 FM, or heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing. We are on the ESPN app that way, just find us there. Oh, baby. Friday. Hey, at least the sun's shining today. Still a little chilly out there. A winter uh, holding on as, as best as it can. And uh, I shouldn't really jinx anything here, but you say this winter was pretty manageable, right? I, I know. I just ruined it. We're going to get like 80 feet of snow next week now. But hey, it's spring. It's Good Friday. Happy Good Friday to those of you out there that uh, are looking forward to Easter weekend as well. And Kind of take a breath, right? It's like that first weekend where there's a lot of sports on. There's a lot of things we're going to be discussing and, and, and getting into here. But there's a certain intensity, right, when, you know, Syracuse basketball is still playing and kind of the the feeling around that. And we were going into a, a matchup with Houston last weekend on Saturday, well, well, well into the night, right? So, Life's a little different when Syracuse basketball truly turns the page. It didn't feel like that this week, really, until today. Looking around El Corners, more transfers. What's going on? So somebody, are they coming back? What, what's, what's happening? Today was kind of the first, like, ooh, take a breath kind of day. And I think the weekend will be like that, too. But I never doubt what the world of sports can bring you, much like the weather here in central New York, right? So we're here to talk about it with you today at 437-7644, Brent X Media on Twitter. But there's another way to participate in the show and to take in the show, and that is on Twitch. Hello, Twitch friends. Twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk, where you can watch the show. You can participate in the live chat throughout the show. You can get the show within the show during commercial breaks. We keep the mics on. We chat with you on Twitch, and a lot to get into here on this Friday. Speaking of Twitch, my lovely and talented sister, my much older and talented sister, I should say. I took one of our screenshots from Twitch and, and made some art out of it. My sister is a, a very talented artist. And uh, she put out a, I, I, it's on my Twitter feed if you want to check it out. She kind of morphed the My Buddy doll to be like literally on my shoulder. And she made some art out of that. And there's a caption contest going on for that if you want to uh, indulge and participate. On, on the social media, as the kids say. 
A lot to get into here on this Friday. We have one guest joining us today, and that is our friend Mike McAllister. He comes up at 5 o'clock today, and Mike is going to do what Mike does. He is going to talk recruiting. I want to ask Mike how he handles the transfer portal. I mean, he's got enough on his plate keeping up with recruits and recruiting, and I mean, there's literally a thousand names in that thing. So do you kind of keep it in the inner circle? As I've said on this show, when it comes to the transfer portal, you start with who you know, and then after that you talk to the people that know. Who do you know? Start there in your inner circle, talk to the people that know, and then you work your way out from there. Simeir Torrance was somebody on Syracuse's radar. He's in. Is Cole Swider going to, he said he wanted to make his decision relatively quickly. Is he somebody that we'll be talking about by the end of the weekend that could be back in Syracuse's circle of trust, if you will? So we'll talk to Mike about the portal. Spring football is underway. Of course, the latest in recruiting and so much more. We'll do that. Later in the show, Final Four coming up this weekend. You'll hear it right here. Our coverage of the NCAA tournament brought to you by Burdick BMW, Burdick Toyota, Burdick Lexus, and Burdick Ford, by the way. So we'll preview both the men's and women's Final Four matchups coming up this weekend uh, in hot takes. I believe Jordan had a very passionate take about this on the show that airs previous to this one, the great Sportzilla show. Yet another boo-boo for the NCAA. How many teams are there? Let's see. One. Two, three, four. We forgot one. Uh, Major League Baseball taking a big stance today. And in the world of stick to sports, which we all know is foolhardy and not possible, uh, they took a big stance, moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta. If you haven't been keeping up with that. And I will fully admit, I haven't you know, read the laws. I, you know, I actually wanted to do that, and I looked it up, and it was 2,000 pages. And I was like, okay, yes little light reading there for the weekend, but I think baseball is wading into a minefield here, as we will uh, discuss later in the program. It's their all-star game. They can do what they want with it. Uh, the response from the Atlanta Braves, by the way, was uh, they, they were certainly not happy with that. So we will get into that. Big lacrosse weekend, one versus two, Syracuse, North Carolina, the men's team will face Notre Dame. That's you know a mere top six matchup. That's <laughs> two good lacrosse games, and they're on tomorrow. One starts at eleven, the other starts at noon. So uh, that's what I'll be doing tomorrow, and that's what you should be doing tomorrow as well. Uh, so all that to come as we go through the afternoon, and looking forward to hearing what you have to say uh, throughout the afternoon as we close the week strong here. And I actually that's where I wanted to start the show today. We're kind of reflecting on what a week it was. I mean, we kind of naturally do that on a Friday. Our good friends at the Dan Patrick Show always have a great segment on Fridays. You know, what did we learn this week? So what did we learn this week? We began the week coming off of a loss in the Sweet 16, but feeling pretty good about the fact that even with the ups and the downs and the trials and the tribulations and the COVID pauses and all the nonsense that Syracuse basketball went through this year, they made the Sweet 16, and that felt pretty darn good. And they just ran into a better team, and Dejan Giroux shut down Buddy Beheim, and the magical run came to an end. And it wasn't too long after that where the speculation about next season started to come out. How would the transfer portal affect Syracuse? And, boy, did we just dive right into that. You know, as Jim Beheim told us on the air Monday, hang on to your seatbelts. And it was a crazy week. 
And again, we're going to continue to monitor things. Thankfully, the, the intensity has backed off. We all kind of needed a little bit of a break from that, but still monitoring and seeing what's going on out there because there's a lot of players going here, there, and everywhere. And you know, literally, you're just like taking attendance at the start of the class, checking those boxes. You coming back next year? Good. You coming back next year? Good. You coming back next year? That's a maybe. Okay. That's what we're literally doing going down the roster. So Kadari Richmond leaves, and not too long after that, Simir Torrance comes in, and that brought to mind the philosophy of coaching. It brought to mind the philosophy of recruiting, how Syracuse, much like every school, whether they like it or not, is going to have to deal with the transfer portal. And it kind of brings out how fans feel about the program, you know, like backdoor cuts, just a gem of a Hall of Fame phone call that, the folks at the Everson have not gotten back to me on this, but I got I got time. Let's do lunch. Let's discuss this. We need to hang that phone call in the Everson. I mean, it's just perfect. Just absolutely perfect for that. And then on the women's side, Coach Q has 10 players in the portal, and I wrote a column about this yesterday. I didn't really discuss it on the show. When you look at that, it's a mixture of Emily Angsler, who, by the way, we now know, revealed last night, going to Louisville. Ooh, plot twist. Let me look on my uh, schedule here. Uh, yes, Louisville's in the ACC and will face Syracuse next year. So that's really interesting. Louisville, by the way, of course, was the number one team in the country at one point this year and one of the best teams in the country in you add player like Emily Anksler to that list, and all of a sudden they're a championship contender. So there you go. If you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. And we wish her absolute best there. And She made the decision that's best for her for whatever reasons that didn't work out here in Syracuse, and now she's going to have a real shot here in her senior year to go win a championship. And you looked at four players, mostly freshmen and sophomores, younger players that were – some highly recruited, some that were kind of the future of the team that were suspended for a violation of team rules, which were not disclosed. And they decided not to come back. And then you had a couple of seniors who, in a unique situation, right, because with the COVID exemption, you can come back. Playing time was not a roadblock, if you will, for Kiki and Digna, but they got a decision to make about life. They were going to be seniors. They were ready to move on. They're in that mentality. The transfer portal also gives these players the option to go somewhere else because what the women's team has is a big recruiting class coming in. Five players, including two electric players from Canada, a guard from Washington, Washington State, who averaged 36 points a game as a junior. She unfortunately didn't get to play her senior year because of COVID. They didn't have a season. All told, a top 11 class, right? So some of the upperclassmen see the writing on the wall, see an opportunity in the portal and say, oh, I'm going to take that. But it also brings to mind, much like with how Jim Beheim handles players, how Coach Q handles players, and really any coach these days, but with a focus on that, millennials and not to point the finger, wag my finger at you darn millennials, but it's just a different generation and how you handle it. 
I'm learning this as a father. I got to tell you this. I, I am fascinated by my 14-year-old and the world she lives in and, and what she's influenced by. And, and without getting into too many details here, you know, my father, God rest his soul, he, he, he how can I say this? He was a dad in his own way. And you got to keep in mind, my father was a drill sergeant in the Marines. I had a great relationship with my dad. Don't get me wrong. I don't want this to come across like, oh, my God. Like, I, you know, I was polishing floors with a toothbrush at 6 in the morning. My sisters will laugh at that, by the way. I was the prince in the house. My sister said to do everything. God love him. But point being, my dad was old school, and, and he parented me and my sisters a certain way. And, you know, I certainly, when I became a father, tried to, in some ways, parent my daughter like that. And it doesn't work with that generation. It just doesn't. The world is changing how they perceive the world, how they accept discipline, how they expect. It just, life lessons. You just, it's not, by the way, that doesn't make it good, bad, or indifferent. It just makes it different. It's just different. And I had to learn how to relate to, I'm still every day learning how to relate to my 14-year-old now, especially that she's really smart. And it's, you know, when she's six, you tell her to do something and she just does it because, well, you're dead and you know better. Now they're 14 and they can get on the internet and be like, well, how about this? I think coaches are in that constant world too. I think Jim Beheim's thinking about He's 76 years old. He's a Hall of Fame head coach. He's done it this way forever. Never had ever the losing season. Probably, and I don't want to assume anything here, but, you know, went to Kadari Richmond and said, well, look, you're, you're playing a lot. We, we think you're developing as a player. We had a guy named Dion Waiters, and I know you can't draw a direct line there, but I think it's a good comparison to say, that guy never started a game. If your goal is to get to the NBA, we're going to put you in that position. You're going to play enough to... Show the NBA scouts what you can do. But this is what's best for my team. And the players for Coach Q, who there may be some sort of philosophical change, maybe that's not what they signed up for. You know, Q can be pretty on players. He's very upfront about that. You play for me, this is how it's going to go. Right? But once you experience it and do it, and now that you have the parachute of the transfer portal to get out of it, you know, good for them. They they have they have options now. So I was just fascinated by how the week went, how the transfer portal is changing the sport, the reaction of the coaching staffs, respectively, the reaction of the fan bases. And we're still taking it all in. There's still a lot more to go here. I mean, Coach Q now is a roster of 11 players because you hear that number 10 and you're like, oh, my God, what what, what is happening here? He's going to have 11 players as of now when you include the recruiting classes coming in and the commits that are coming back. He added, of course, a, a transfer from USC who officially signed on the dotted line today. And you'll hit the portal, grab a couple more players. Remember, there's 13 scholarship players on the women's team as opposed to 15 for the men's team, and, and off you go. And Syracuse will do the same thing. We'll find out about Quincy Garrier and if he'll return. We'll find out if... Alan Griffin will return, and he's in a more complicated situation than others because he'd have to sit out a year if he transfers again. And I, I look, he, he can do what's best for him. I wouldn't let four bad games at the end of the season determine that the whole thing fell apart. Yeah, Jim pulled you out and pulled you out early because that's what coaches do when they see a player who's struggling and they see a player who's not on the level 
that he was prior to that slump, and you got Robert Braswell is killing it, then that's what you do. You do what's best for the team. Oh, by the way, you got to replace Robert Braswell because he's in the portal, right? It was a, it was just, it was a hell of a week. It really was. Like when Jordan earlier this week, we we're going over some things for the show and what's going on, and you know, you got to zoom out and be like, okay, what's what's happening here? What do we have to talk about? What do we have to address? And he's like, you know, baseball starts tomorrow. I'm like, holy crap, that that thing, right? Like we were so, it was so intense. We were so immersed in it. The news was just going bing and a bing and a bing and a bing and a boom, and then. Roy Williams retires, and all this stuff is going on. It's like, it's not stressful because it's sports, but it's overwhelming in in a lot of ways. It was an overwhelming week, and I, I joke around this with Jordan all the time. And Tommy Gunn and, and Pete, I, I tell you guys this on the show too, I only have room in my brain for so much. I only have room in my brain for so much, and you only have room in your brain for so much. And it just felt like, Nothing else mattered when that happened. But it's nice to kind of, ooh, okay. What else is going on out there? We're going to keep an eye on that. But, you know, that had its run. They had their time in the spotlight. I like this time of the year, frankly, because other things start to come into the conversation. We're going to cover Syracuse basketball the way we cover Syracuse basketball. We're going to do it the, for the coverage you deserve. And when something happens, we'll be on it here. But I, I – after a while, do look forward to interjecting other things into the conversation. And April's a great time of the year to do that. Lacrosse is picking up, and you've got two teams that can win a championship. And the women's team literally has the chance, as Ric Flair used to say, if you want to beat the man, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. North Carolina is a juggernaut. Syracuse is a really good team that if they beat North Carolina, it changes everything. One game changes everything. I'm not sure they can beat North Carolina right now. I think they can eventually beat North Carolina. I just don't know if they can do it right now. The men's lacrosse team has a big matchup, and that's it. Like every You look down both of their schedules here as they come down the home stretch, they're all big. They're all big games. Most of them are ranked games. The ACC is just an amazing league for this sport, and that's going to be fun to track. And then the NFL draft is around the corner, and Ify Mellon Fonwu, and Andre Cisco, and I think Trill Williams will get picked, maybe a little later than those other two, but we don't get to watch spring football, but how they replace those players and what we're going to be hearing about their NFL prospects going forward. The Masters is next weekend. Baseball is back. So, yeah, a lot of this is what you would call national sports, right, but with local connections. That's what we like to do when we can't take a national story and put a local spin on it. While tracking the portal, while seeing who comes and goes, and you know, we always kind of circle back to Syracuse basketball in, in some way, shape, or form. But today was really the first day I felt like I could take a breath. Like, okay, all right, what else is happening now? And that's what we'll do today. You want to chime in on the portal and what Syracuse has to do and, and the week that was and why Jim Beheim, you know, should give back his Hall of Fame status because he doesn't run more backdoor cuts then you're welcome to do so at 437-7644. I don't know how any phone call on the show going forward is going to top that one. You guys got a big, big job there. Did you see that clip? A uh, uh, shout-out to our, our friend Steph, uh, who's Q's Blonde on Twitter. A lot of you uh, in, in Q's Nation on Twitter know Q's Blonde. And she, uh, 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 what's the word, tagged me. And there was, I don't have the audio pulled up. I'll have to pull it up for you. 
but I'm sure a lot of you saw it. There was a guy who does like a Cleveland Indians post-game show. And he just flipped out on this guy. It was beautiful. It, it was just, I, I, I watched that and I said, man, how many times have I wanted to do that? So now i got to play the clip for you. We'll do that when we come back, get into those lacrosse games and some other things happening out there. Mike McAllister later to go over the portal, a little football, a little crouton as always. Hey, it's Friday. Let's do this thing. You're on the block, ESPN Radio and twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back, friends. Happy Friday. On the Block presented by our friends at Burdick BMW. Right back to the phones we go. Uh, John in Liverpool. Happy Friday, John. How you doing, kid? Living the dream, my friend. What's cooking? Well, Axe, uh, the, the one thing that uh, nobody really talks about because we, you, you'll, he'll never admit it, but uh, I personally think that next year is the coach's last year because his son will be graduating. And to me, the natural thing would be for his son, Jim, to join the team. I think that's going to That's just I my opinion. Like I, don't, I don't have any insight there. I just, I just, I think that's going to happen. I, I would like to see it. I think he could help the team with uh, Benny Williams coming in. Um, the coach will reach a thousand. What does he need? Eighteen more to reach a thousand, <laughs> even though he's got a hundred nine. That you mean so, a thousand uh, again? <laughs> we, yeah, we've, a thousand we've done this again. We've done this before. Right. Yeah. So I think even though Coach will never say anything, and I think that's good that he doesn't. But um, I, I personally, as a, as a dad and whatnot, I I would be leaving with my son. When my sons, both of my sons are done playing, I'd be uh, cashing out. Especially now you got Roy Williams is cashed out, and Jim's not a young guy anymore. And the recruiting thing is getting chaotic. Everything is getting chaotic. Why would you? Why would you bother? So to me, I think this will be his last year, and I hope his son Jim joins the team. I think that is going to happen, and it goes back to what we were saying a few minutes ago. John, always appreciate the call. You start with what you know. Jimmy's a good player. He's a solid role player. And if you can add Simeon Torrance, Cole Swider, Jimmy Beheim, that's pretty good. It's pretty solid. Now, you don't cut off other options there. You go up and down the portal and, and you get as much insight as you can and who's realistic to go after, who would consider Syracuse, who works, who fits. Coming into play the zone is a more complicated thing, and you, you ponder all that. As for it being Jim's last year, I don't think it's going to be. I get why people would naturally make that connection, but when Jim Beheim tells you, and I think Jim is smart not to put an end date on it for recruiting purposes and all sorts of things, maybe internally, Maybe Julie knows. Maybe John Wildhack knows. The Roy Williams thing did kind of open your eyes a little bit, like, man, if he can walk away. But I don't think it's happening. I don't. I just He likes coaching. He's in great shape physically. He's in great shape mentally. He enjoys what he does. Jim will always tell you it's kind of an ageism thing to point at people and say, well, you're this many years old. You need to go. Still got a fire in his belly, as I know, talking to him weekly on this show. So why do you have? It's a nice little story to write off into the sunset with your sons, but why do you have to do it, right? But I could get why people would think that it's it's a natural thing. My man Scooter lined up. Sophie's Choice Final Four weekend. How are you, sir? Good, good. Also, uh, keep an eye on uh, some horses. You know, uh, March uh, May first is the Kentucky Derby. 
got some big races, Santa Anita, Bluegrass. Uh, got some contenders. Uh, Johnny Velasquez is flying all the way over from the East Coast to ride a Bob Baffert horse called Redina, I think, Star. And the San Diego Derby, he's given up a lot of mounts for a lot of stakes races. He has shot to win a lot of money to ride his horse. So, Scoot, I love it. We're already scouting the Derby. You're way ahead of the game here. Yeah. It's good stuff. Well, this is, well, these are, well, these are the last races before the Derby. You know, these horses take four weeks off. So you guys start doing your handicapping now. And there's also a horse, Brad Cox, an exclusive quality running the bluegrass. But the big horse might be next week. Baffert's got a horse called In Concert. Uh, when I saw them, he's going to go to the lead and come and get them, just like a fanny did last year. So, so Pat, we'll keep those three. Pat wanted me to ask you specifically about the over-unders in the final four yeah, this for weekend. Games. So let's, yeah. uh, for those that don't know, the Gonzaga game is uh, 145 and a half. I got it 145 and a half. Okay. And Baylor uh, is 134 and a half, the uh, Baylor-Houston game. Yeah, I got it at 135 and 144. It's the same thing. Okay. Um, Pat, I heard Pat talk after I was on the phone. Pat, I Apologize for the 0 for 2. I thought it was 0 for 1. I thought I said the Gonzaga game was like, was, was actually like one of those patient games where you'll watch it to make sure that the Gonzaga can control the pace. And once they control the pace, I knew that the USC was dead. By the way, for, for, for betting, you know, for betting games, in-game stuff, if you waited to halftime, you could have gotten USC at 19 and a half, and they only lost by 19. So. Just a feeling on my part, Scoot, and look, this is not a grand statement to make, given how good they are. I think Gonzaga is going to truck UCLA. I mean, just truck them. I know UCLA plays tough defense, and they slow the game down. I, I think they're going to truck them. This UCLA's magic is running out tomorrow night. The uh, I, I uh, right now, and I always like tendencies. Uh, so I'm I'm put, and I just I'm putting I always put money on Gonzaga first half over. If you did that, you'd be six and zero right now, including the uh, two games in the West Coast Conference plus the four games here. It's sixty eight to sixty nine, depending where you get it. Because I agree, I think what, what what Gonzaga did and what Syracuse would do it. They came out and pressed USC right off the bat, caught him off guard, got up quick nine, and after that they uh, USC USC had, had to had to play Syracuse's pace. I'm surprised how low the Houston line is. Uh, for two reasons. A, A, I think, uh, just like Baylor jumped on Arkansas, like we talked about, I think they can do the same thing to Houston. The de- I have problems with defense and execution. I see open, open threes missed. I'm not sure that's defense. And Baylor missed a lot of open threes against Arkansas. I think they were two for 13 and still won the game comfortably. So I don't think they're going to have two bad scoring games. And you know me and my philosophy come, come second half. A lot of fouling at the end of the game if it's close. You can pick up and if you look at the, uh, Oregon State, uh, Oregon State, uh, uh, Houston game. That should never even come close to 129. It came 128 because of the following. And if you want, if you're, if you bet it in game, you could get as low as 116 with 10 minutes to go in the first half. So that's what's good thing about betting in game stuff is that lines can change in your favor if you like the over under, especially the overs. But I would go over both sides. I think you're right. I think Zach, I think, let's put it this way. If, if, if UCLA covers, I think it's going over. And I think Gonzaga, uh, Gonzaga's having a weird thing, and this is scaring me a little bit. If you notice, they get up by 19, and then they play around. And if you look at the USC game, from the 10-minute mark to the end of the game, it was even. It was 36-36 in the second half, and they got up a quick 17-18 and basically stayed that way for most of the game. I'm hoping they learn from that. And UCLA, uh, hopefully that one that one guy from Kentucky doesn't go off because if it wasn't for that, uh, Michigan would have destroyed UCLA. 
I think he had 18 of the 27 points in the first half. Look, bottom line, I, I and thanks for the call, Scoot. Your friend Pat is lined up next uh, after you here. So I want to get to Pat before we break. But I don't think either one of these games is going to be particularly close. And I think a bigger part of me is that what I want to see happen is speaking here. I want to see Gonzaga play Baylor. It's the game that's been destined all year. Baylor has kicked it into form. I think they're they're the only team that can give Gonzaga a good game Monday night. Gonzaga's Gonzaga. I mean, they're just they're unstoppable. And I look in sports, you always have to apply certain things, but they're going to truck UCLA. Mark my words. The way they pass the ball inside, the way Suggs is playing right now, the way everybody is just clicking on all cylinders for Gonzaga. It's a thing of beauty to watch them pass the ball. They're just doing everything right. UCLA. I mean. Juzank can have 40 points in this game. It's not going to matter. They just don't have enough offense to stop Timmy and Kispert and Suggs, and that team is as well-oiled a machine as I've seen. And I think Baylor, Houston's, hey, we saw what they did to Syracuse. They play nice defense. They crash the boards. They don't have enough to stop Baylor. Baylor's the best three-point shooting team in the country. They might throw a little bit of a monkey wrench in there, but Baylor will eventually pull away. I like Baylor minus five. Gonzaga minus 14 sounds like a big number. Hammer that. Hammer it. Pat and Syracuse next up on the block. Hello, Pat. Yeah, um, two two quick things. For the Final Four, I, I'll definitely be curious to, to see. Baylor's defense is underrated, too. Um, that's why I don't think there's any chance that Houston's offense can score enough on Baylor's D to win. But I am curious to see how Houston's defense can how it's going to handle with Baylor's four studs. Because, man, I love watching Mitchell and all them guys. They they are a fun team to watch, they are. man. They really are. I mean, they are, it's just like a video game. I I just can't even believe how good they are. Um, The other game, real, real quick, I I think Gonzaga wins. And I, I, I just think UCLA is going to slow the game down. So I'm looking for UCLA uh, plus the points, tease it up to 18. And then tease Baylor down to just winning by one, and I th- I I think your goal. I don't think UCLA with their coaching. I think you could tease the Gonzaga game either way. I, I think if you tease Gonzaga down to ten, and that's what I was curious what Scooter thought because I I thought USC was going to give them a game, and the only reason that they played even the last little bit was because they were bored. Well, UCLA, I mean, they, they, the thing there, Pat, is they, they don't have, they don't have a choice because. They can't keep up with Gonzaga. Nobody can, really, right? right? But yeah. UCLA wants to play a game in the it, mud. They're going to try, but I think it's going to end up going the other way, that they're going to have to chase Gonzaga around, and before you know it, they're just going to be out of sorts. Yeah, one final point. It's it's the largest semifinal spread that I I think ever. I, I know it's, it must I think be. it's the largest. It's yeah, got to I mean, be, it's, yeah. It, 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 it's huge. Uh, the, the one thing about Jimmy Dam, um I, I love hearing uh, what is his name, uh, John in Liverpool. Yeah, who called earlier? Right? Yeah, I, yeah. Just real quick, Jim Beheim is not retiring at the end of this year. First and foremost, Buddy's not done after after next year. I mean, everybody knows he gets a free year. He's he's. He, I don't know if he's going to try to break the scoring record, but but Buddy's going to last as long as he's as long as he can do. I mean, there's a chance with the NBA if he, if his game continues to evolve. But I I wouldn't be surprised to see Buddy here two more years. And I think Jim Bayon's going to be here ten more years. I mean, my, mine as well. I mean, Wouldn't he's doubt still it. got the fire. Wouldn't doubt. I, it. I mean, I'm kind of joking, but he's 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 going to be here a while, which makes it fun, right? It does. I, Look, who, end who, of the day, drama. Exactly. End of the day, as much as you disagree with coach, I disagree with coach. The back and forth, uh, 
I'm going to miss that man when he's gone, you know, in the oh, year God, in yeah. the year 2075 when it finally happens. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate it as always, friend. We need to get to a break. We'll come back. You're on the block. ESPN Radio and Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk.